0: Welcome to episode four of the Market Thieves podcast. Today we have Finno and T, and we are going to explain getting into the crypto space, more specifically, investing.
1: So, you know, we've come down the road of understanding how the blockchain works, what's the history behind it, how it got started. And, you know, as Finno said, now we're sort of jumping into the piece of getting involved in the space as far as like investments are concerned. Um, so you can think of uh, all that he mentioned sort of like the way that you have trading platforms in the traditional space. Um, a cryptocurrency exchange is a platform that allows uh, users to trade, buy, sell, or exchange cryptocurrencies or digital currencies for other cryptocurrencies or fiat money. Um, some of the exchanges will allow you to um, Withdraw the coin and put them into wallets so they are more secure, and we'll get into that later. Um, other, cur- or other exchanges maybe only require you to convert coin back to fiat with um, before withdrawing, and then um, as you get into this space, you'll see that it's more encouraged as far as fees and things are concerned to uh, convert crypto to crypto. Um, which is something that you can also do on these different platforms. Different platforms will be available in different regions of the world. Um, You also have platforms that might be a US-based platform that also offers a branch of it or an app that is uh, usable in other areas, and then vice versa. You might have apps that are based in Europe but will also offer, say, a United States or Canadian version most of these um, exchanges will be mobile web-based as well so you could easily uh you know you have these platforms on your phone most of them will offer an app but there also are exchanges that are uh, basic basically browser-based exchanges as well Um, so there's a whole world of choices that you can Choose from, and as we get into this, um, I would just say that it's not necessary to only stick to one exchange because we'll also talk about how different exchanges offer different coins on them. So the exchange that you may use as your main driver might not offer a coin that you are looking for, so you might have to set up a second exchange that um, basically allows that coin to be traded on their platform.
0: All right, so. T just said here, you know, how there's coin exchanges and everything like that. I'm going to start with what pretty much everyone's probably going to get off the ground running with, and that's a custodial exchange. And the the main thing with a custodial exchange is it's pretty much they're going to take – it's going to seem the most legitimate for someone that's new to this. They're going to take your – you're going to have an account registration. You're going to do an identity verification process. You know, they'll see where you're living. Uh, This is where you're going to do some bank information, whether it's a debit card or banking information, where you exchange your fiat into crypto. And, you know, the the benefit with a custodial exchange is here, you can deposit and withdraw your fiat. You know, if you want to get out of, say, Bitcoin, you could sell it back to the exchange and you get the fiat in return for it. You usually could do more higher trade volume, higher limits on how much you could spend, whether it's daily or weekly. It it varies exchange to exchange. And, you know, it allows transactions to be quicker, cheaper, but with all of this said, you do put sensitive information. There is a little bit of a lack of transparency. It could take, you know, if you exit, you put your trade down, say, day one it could take three to five days for it to be executed so this is where some people have an issue with it but the argument against it is when you're starting this is probably the way that most people are going to go this is the way i started i for instance have a coinbase account i still use it it does offer the widest variety of uh, bitcoin altcoins and limits as well And, you know, this is all done off of the blockchain. This is done through, you know, you have a third party controlling the buy and selling.
1: Right, and also, you know, when you get into the space and say, for example, you do go to one of these exchanges, um, the reason why, say, for example, like a Coinbase may not offer almost every single coin that's out there is because they're also protecting themselves as well as people like you or I. are investing in this space so they're not necessarily going to have every single uh, coin available to trade only because they may not know or have enough proof of information about it um, as well as um, just a general history of the coin itself and you'll run into this a lot so you know if they if you're on an exchange and they're saying that they would like to bring a list of coins to the exchange Um, I know in the United States here, particularly since it's a little bit more regulated than the rest of the world, um, there's a few more things that the coin itself has to sort of go through before it's available on these platforms. So you might be scratching your head and asking yourself, well, you know, why is Tron available for purchase, you know, in different parts of the world, but not um, particularly the U.S., unless there's uh, different routes that you want to take, which is something that we could get into Uh, later on in the cast, but generally it's not going to be available um, just so they're protecting themselves and they're protecting us. But um, the good thing is, is that most of these platforms are continuously working to add uh, coins that people are interested in onto their platform. Um, I know that, you know, recently Dogecoin blew up. So you see a lot of um, exchanges offering Doge, et cetera. Um, We also have, you know, things like Cosmos and REN that's available On um, platforms that people were looking at that were excited to trade and now that's generally able to trade on most of these platforms now
0: all right and then for the second type of exchange that we find it would be a non-custodial so custodial would be you have the third party would be the ones in possession quote-unquote of your crypto you don't necessarily have complete control of it and what you'll learn through this episode is if you do not control your private keys, you do not control your crypto. And that's, you know, I didn't some personally, I didn't really understand this in the beginning of when I was putting money in. And, you know, a few months down the road, I learned what this was. And now I have full control of what I'm doing. So a non custodial exchange, you're not this is going to be something there's, I'll give you a couple examples. Switch SwitchChain, Shapeshift, Evercoin, Changely. These are just a few examples. Um, on these non-custodial exchanges, there's no account registration. You're not giving out sensitive in- information. So there's a higher degree of anonymity. A non, I don't know how you say that. non <laughs> <laughs> what? Anonym, like being anonymous, I'm anonymity anonymous. I don't know
1: Or staying anonymous Staying, I guess.
0: staying anonymous And, <laughs> and there, there's a higher degree of being anonymous And uh, uh, there's more security that comes with that So this is still something I believe is Non-custodial is not on the blockchain It doesn't have to get verified That's right. only when we're talking Okay So this is Yeah, so you're not dealing with fiat in this sense So this would be you already have coins And Coin for coin Coin for coin here uh, the trades made almost instantly on your behalf. It takes a short period of time, and the crypto is deposited back into your possession. So you wanted to, you had a bunch of Doge coins, and you're like, "I'm over it. Let's go get some Bitcoin." This is something that you would use this for. Uh, it's low-cost trading combined with privacy and convenience. And this is probably once you, you know, this is a step up from the custodial. And once you're, this is probably you. We'd call it novice at this point.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, and then that's also, to go back on, you know, Doge for Bitcoin or Ethereum for Bitcoin, that is totally possible if that's a question that you have. Um, And that's what we mean by coin for coin. Uh, And it's really considered um, the thing to do, especially when when you're dealing with these platforms. Most of them will inquire fees and they're not huge fees um, unless you are trading at huge volumes and you're taking a look at multiple exchanges, as we stated before um, that you might have and you go with the one that's offering the the lowest rates but um, when you're trading coin for coin usually those fees are either uh, zeroed out or, or very very low compared to uh, taking fiat dollar and and buying bitcoin or taking fiat dollar and buying ethereum or whatever it is that you want to get into so always consider that so
0: the crypto wallet uh, is used to interact with blockchain network and these are, when we're breaking it down, there's going to be three major types of these wallets. It's a hardware wallet, a software wallet, and a paper wallet. Um, software wallet is going to be more accessible. It's more convenient. It's uh, software that's going to be installed on your smartphone or your com- uh, your computer. It provides users with the access to your private keys, therefore giving you control over your crypto and making it, easier to move it around if you want to do that trade it all that fun stuff that's going to be on the lower end if you want it to go a little bit more secure you're going to have something called a hardware wallet this is going to be uh, let's just say like a usb drive it's going to be something that you you're going to have to using your software wallet you connect to uh, your phone or your computer it's completely offline and it's the most secure and that's because when you do take it offline it is unaccessible um
1: and that also adds to security as well so the more unaccessible it is the more offline it is the the more secure uh, your investments are so um really what makes things different for um a hardware wallet versus a hot wallet is is that it's not necessarily connected to the internet unless you are transferring coins off and on uh the actual usb drive um as phoenix said that you would connect to your phone or your computer so this definitely gives you a shield of security from hackers if that was uh, the case and it's not connected to the internet so it's something that you could put your coins on and then put inside of a safe place physically at home versus um, the wallets that might be on your computer always connected to the internet Um, unless it's like a desktop wallet so if you are on your computer and you have the wherewithal you could also download a desktop wallet which is also totally off uh, the internet, but then there's also browser wallets, which um, would be connected to the internet. There's wallets that are connected to your app. Um, Most apps will provide a different app that will be the wallet for that app. So say for example, if you have eToro, you have eToro and you have the eToro wallet app, which is separate from the actual um, trading platform, Coinbase also offers the same thing. So it's really a level of security. And then also the thing to think about when you're getting into this is, um how much do you want to be moving your coin around so that was one of the things that definitely came up um and it's sort of self-explanatory but if you are the type to for whatever reason buy coin on a monday and want to get it uh sold by friday because it did well you're not necessarily taking that coin and putting it on a usb and putting it somewhere inside your house because you also have to think about the transfer times so there's a, a time limit um that may be short or long to transfer these coins off the app and onto the hardware wallet and then vice versa so if some if it's popping off and something's doing uh you know great then you could easily take that and put it into the wallet and put it in a safe place but say for example one of the coins just falls off a cliff and it's sitting on your wallet there's going to be Um, you know, the time that you executed it, but it's going to take a little while to get back onto that that platform. It's not instant by any means.
0: That that being said, there, you know, there's a couple factors to consider what type of wallet or, you know, what's going to make you go one way or another. Uh, So going off of what T was just saying, just basic factors there is going to be security. And I think when it comes to security, then you're going to talk about the device and the software that's used to store it and that could even be how easy is it to access your you know even your computer or through your phone and then like t was saying how how do you want to move it how frequently you're trading frequency you know if if you're just uh buying and stacking sats and bitcoin you know like maybe once you get let's just say ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin then you move it off and you're not going to touch that bitcoin you're just going to let it sit there as opposed to like if you're doing something daily and you're you're moving stuff around you're not going to want it on that hardware wallet you're going to want it on on the phone and more of a hot wallet that's connected online so you could have access to doing those trades day in and day out and then you know a lot of people now it's the tax tracking capabilities like how 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 can i move stuff around pay the less amount of taxes you know people might even want to be hiding it and um, so that those are main factors for me personally. I think it's it's gonna be the the software and the device storage and the trading frequency. If I'm moving, you know, certain coins around, or I'm buying and waiting till I hit my quota of a certain amount of coins, or I, it's a coin that I'm just gonna hold on for a little bit a while, or a little bit, and then in a in a, in a while I'm gonna move it or convert it or something. I'm gonna keep that on a, something that it's it's easier to access instead of. You know, you don't want to have to plug in and, uh, you know, take your hard wallet and plug it in and move it around and store it again and, you know, do all of that fun stuff. So,
1: and there's different levels of security too, when it comes to the wallets and we'll get more in depth with this piece later, but, um, you know when he speaks on security, there's also, um you know, passwords that are involved in this too. So not only are you being responsible on where you are actually placing your hard hardware wallet, if that's something that you want to do, you're definitely going to want to have a safe place for your passwords to access the hardware wallets because there's a wall of security there to even utilize what's on um, the wallet itself. So this is where we hear the horror stories of people having tons and tons of Bitcoin back in the day on a certain laptop and throwing it away or forgetting their credentials and having only five times to get it right and being on the third. And it's just like, damn, if I, you know, screw this up twice more then that's it. Well, this is where you have to really be, you know, do your due diligence and, and understand that your investments are truly in fact your responsibility. It's it's not like the traditional market where if I forget my, you know, password to um, my trading password, or excuse me, my trading platform, then I can just give Fidelity a call and then they'll you know take me through the steps of security, whether it be questions or emails and things like that. With this, there is no one to call. So um, you know we'll get in more into depth that, with that later, but these are also the responsibilities you're gonna have to have when you are going with particular wallets. Um, most of the wallet app um, provides the same things. The same levels of security, um, so just make sure you're doing your due diligence to on both ends with, with passwords and where you are placing these things because they are your investments. Um, another fun fact that you know I researched when I was, um, you know, taking a skim over things was that wallets don't actually store your crypto um they're just a tool required to react and interact with the blockchain so wallets will provide necessary information to send and receive crypto uh, via the blockchain and interaction so um, in lamest terms basically your keys will be a particular spot on the blockchain um, and then in turn your wallet is an identifier for that specific location on the blockchain and that particular crypto that you're storing is built on specific location is where your coins are sent and then this is how um, the alpha alphanumeric location or your your code your particular code is uh, received so you have public keys and private keys and we can we can get into that too but I think on a um, very basic level of understandings if if we could go ahead and um, know transfer this to what people are already doing when you have a bank account for example you could look at the routing number and the accounting number as your public key so this is information that you can give businesses like when you start a new job and they do direct deposit what do you do you give them your routing number and your account number so they can pay you Um, and if you are having like a reoccurring payment for a bill You give your routing number, your account account number, so they can um, automatically withdraw funds out of your account. So you could look at this as the public key. This is information that is uh, safe to give to trusted people. So public keys will be sort of encrypted with uh, the QR codes that people say, oh, we take um, this particular coin donation. It's it's public. It's for everyone to send um, to the receiver. Um, In the same comparison, private keys would be sort of like your passport password to your actual bank account so if you get hired on a job no you're not going to give your actual password to your bank account to um, the person that is asking for it it's going to be your routing number and your accounting number as public and then your password is sort of your private so with that same energy when it comes to crypto wallets and investing in crypto never never give your private key away that's the actual credentials to access your funds um, if you want to take donations in some capacity, if you own a business or you're raising funds for um, a foundation, et cetera, then the the public key is what you are um, giving out. So that's that's sort of uh, background and explaining on that as well.
0: Yeah, the uh, the public keys, out, yeah, like your routing number, and even easier, you know, if when someone you scan someone's QR code for their Venmo, right? You know, you're you're exchanging the fiat, but this could be you could scan your own public key just to send it from one one wallet to another or a friend or something like that it's super easy and yeah that's the information you if anything you you hand out yeah the private keys always you know you want them generated offline and you store them securely and you keep them as close to you as you can and you don't share those with anybody all right so now that we talked about that we'll just briefly talk about how on different exchanges you know like say let's just say Make it easy. Bitcoins at fifty five thousand dollars on Coinbase, and then someone might be on uh, Gemini, and that might be the price might be fifty five thousand dollars, fifty five thousand one hundred dollars. What you know? The the question is, how come it's across the board? It's not all the same at the same exact time. Well, the for you know what i've gathered and everything like that you know there's certain exchanges that are bigger there's certain exchanges that are smaller and that could be where certain countries limits everything that's put on it but it has to do primarily with the trade volume and we'll just keep using bitcoin in this instance so because bitcoin it has to do with the trade volume so that's buy amounts and sell amounts the buy amount uh, pretty much is the amount people are willing to pay for the given asset. The sell amount is what people are willing to sell their assets at. And then there's a book that these go through. So there's the, the way it works is say when you're when you're buying, you're gonna submit a buy. You're gonna put that order is gonna be placed in the order book. Whatever the highest price someone is willing to buy that asset for, that quote unquote becomes the market price. And this can the the cost can fluctuate depending on the volume for that for we're using Bitcoin here. So if there's a there's a you're gonna find smaller differences between the price with larger cap coins. So that's why we're using Bitcoin. You're gonna find smaller differences, but once you start getting into I mean, we could even say Dogecoin, something that's a lot smaller market cap because a lot of these have a smaller market caps. Then you're going to start to find bigger differences because their trade volumes are less.
1: Right, and that's essentially what um, what he what Feno just explained is like makers and takers. So uh, the maker is the person that's on the books. So in lamest terms, they're advertising the coin for a certain price, putting it on a shelf. The taker comes inside of the store, looks at the shelf, likes the price that it's seen at, and buys the coin so this sort of keeps uh the the market liquid is 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 what we're saying here the volume of people that uh, might be on the platform moving these coins back and forth uh buying and selling um is going to affect the price so when you look at certain exchanges um as he said they might have slightly varying prices because every every exchange is going to have their own have their own prices on the books as well
0: yeah and you have to think too if there's an exchange that has a smaller token and there's a guy today that's seen that he's, he wants to sell it and he's going to get rid of it that's going to affect the price if he sells everything on that exchange that's going to make that that asset go down right. in price and you know so this is the liquidity that t just explained here this is why you see differences there's some you know people will use like triangular arbitrage and they'll move it around from they'll buy on one exchange then Transfer it sell it on another exchange because it's selling for higher, and then they'll buy again on another exchange because there's a discounted price on another one And you know, that's we're talking about getting into it here and that's a lot further along down the line But that's just a brief example on why you would find Say you have the cash app and you have coinbase as well. Why there's gonna be a difference in pricing on on what you're buying
1: so also uh, with these exchanges You'll have rewards so the same way in the traditional market They offer dividends to people who have been holding that particular asset for a long time Um, Those are usually paid out quarterly in the traditional market the longer you've been holding it as well as the volume um, That you are holding uh, makes a huge difference on the percentage that you are paid out so with coin you could easily take that definition and in lamest terms um, compare it to staking so when you are on a lot of these platforms they're going to be having little advertisements and things like that where um, they'll ask you like if you want to learn about staking such and such tokens so if we were staking a market thieves token um, essentially it's going to be a reward system um, the only thing that's different is when you are looking at your coins and where to put them as we discussed earlier most of the time you're going to want to put them away in a hardware wallet if you're holding them for a long time a lot of these platforms will offer you to stake the coin and to my understanding you're going to want to keep that coin um, on that platform so keep it hot Um, now just sort of generally the security on most of these platforms are as good as they can be at this point in time so when we speak of preferring to put it on a hardware wallet we're not saying that keeping them hot is a bad idea all across the board i would say general rule of thumb is you don't want to keep a lot of assets on there um just based off of the fact that if say coinbase had some sort of breach in security your coins are like on coinbase on the platform it's not necessarily like in your hands but when it comes to staking these blockchains will Um, Provide a reward for you to keep your your coins hot on the um, hot wallets Which would best basically be your your coinbase account Um, This basically allows less resources. Uh, It's it's basically a alternative to uh, traditional mining and we could get down to advanced concepts later on but um, it's basically holding uh, the cryptocurrency in the wallet to support and hold security operations of the blockchain that it's currently built on. So in lamest terms, holding the crypto um, allows you to receive rewards. So yes, this usually means holding the coin on the exchange instead of inside of a hardware wallet. Um, Some of the requirements for earning some good rewards when it comes to staking is how many coins Uh, the user is staking so it's the same thing as a dividend for Apple Um, of course somebody who's been holding giant amounts of Apple since 99 is gonna get paid a higher dividend than someone who got in um, last month but I know with the traditional market it usually takes like two days to start earning dividends but of course that percentage is very very small and like we said the payouts are are quarterly so with crypto um, when you're staking it's 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 the same thing it's how many coins are you staking so Um, you know you have 14 coins on uh, market thieves coin and you're staking those 14 coins it's going to look very different from someone who has 141 coins also what you would want to consider when you are getting into staking it's like what is the longevity of um, this particular project this particular coin and if it's something that looks like it has a bright future and can go a long way where you could just have these coins sitting and and gaining percentages and sort of going along in the journey with them then um it's it's definitely usually a green light after that point in time all
0: right so after all that's been said explaining exchanges explaining wallets what they do the purpose you know there's a responsibility it's a little different than when you're, you're doing traditional banking and you're putting your money in your savings account You know, but it has the similarities. I mean, people. You know, it all comes down to the the main thing is when you get to a point that you're comfortable at. If you don't control your private keys, you don't control your crypto. And that's that. When you this is what you're doing. If this is a long-term goal, a short-term goal, regardless, if you hit whatever mark you want to hit, you you want to have control of your crypto. And uh, certain exchanges and everything. It's all different, but it's all pretty easy how to to gather. All of this stuff And put it on Into your wallets Whether it's an online wallet Or it's offline So You know When we were talking about Factors in wallets earlier You know th- We were talking about The trading frequency That's you know the re- This is what you want to think of When you're trading Or buying crypto It's best only to store The crypto on exchanges Or software wallets Temporarily while you're in use And then you have your long-term crypto holdings should be stored in a dedicated hardware wallet. And that, that, this has to do with, like what T said before, when you're on a, a bigger exchange, you know, it could, it could be susceptible to a hack. It could be SC, SEC regulations, and it could get shut down. That's happened before. The hacks have happened. Um, and this is when, you know, the stuff that you're not trying to long-term hold That's, that's what you're going to keep on there until maybe, you know, say you get, you have a hundred Ethereum, you know, you've, you finally got a you hit a hundred and maybe that's what you're saying. But, you know, long before that, let's say you want to get that off there onto a hardware wallet. These are, these are the things you got to think of. And these wallets, you know, even a hardware wallet, a USB drive, you have your own wallet that you carry around daily. There's, there's always that personal responsibility of, you know, like, do you have a money clip in your wallet? Is the money secure in there? You don't want it loose and falling out when you're pulling it in and out of your pocket. These are, you know, the same things that you could just transfer over your thoughts to the technological aspects of this. When you're, when you're plugging your computer or your your hardware wallet into your desktop, and you're, are you on a secure uh, internet connection? You know, it, this these are the things that you need to think about. That you know, it's not that much different than when you're going to the ATM and getting your money, putting it in your wallet, and then I don't know what you do with your money if you put it under your mattress or you know stuff like that. And
1: yeah, you know, cold and what... cold and hot storage exists in banks too. It's like, uh-huh. you know. A bank could shut down what are the policies if if a bank gets shut down you know um and then you also have cold storage do you are you the type to put it inside of a savings account are you the type to want to you feel a little bit more at ease when the money's physically somewhere inside of your house whether it be in a safe or stuffed inside of a couch you know so it's the same sort of steps that you have to take with with crypto, um, and we cannot stress enough, there's no number to call with traditional fiat, you know, you could freeze a card, you can have a new card ordered, no big deal. You can um have people stop placing transactions on your account by barring that one particular company. You can um, you know, call someone and they'll take you through the steps of getting your getting access to your mobile account or your, your online.
0: Thank you for listening to another podcast. Remember to go follow us on social, Twitter and Instagram at market underscore thieves. Have a good day.